Einer Michelson joins us. Welcome to CX Network on B2B IQ. I'm your host, Seth Adler. Download episodes on cxnetwork.com through our app and iTunes and the iTunes podcast app and Google Play or wherever you currently get your podcasts. First, some supporters to thank and then Einer Michelson. This episode is supported by CX Network. CX Network provides expert commentary, tools, and resources developed by customer experience professionals and industry insiders. With a growing membership and global portfolio of events, CX Network ensures you keep your finger on the pulse by delivering practical and strategic advice to help achieve your business goals. Wherever you are on your customer strategy journey, join the CX Network's global community today. Go to cxnetwork.com for more. This episode is also supported by the Chief Customer Officer Exchange. CCOE discusses approaches on driving a profitable customer strategy at all levels of the enterprise. Join the only event focused on bringing together innovative cross-industry Chief Customer Officers November 5th through the 7th in Miami, Florida. Benchmark on improving customer experience, establishing customer-centric strategies, and producing more valuable customer insights. Go to ccoexchange.iqpc.com for more. Einar Michelson, thank you so much for joining us from Oslo, no less. Yes? Yeah, thank you for having me. For those with uh, video feature, they can see uh, what? Uh, the sunny, uh, you know, auspices of uh, your great city, as well as maybe yeah, a little bit of snow. Yeah, it's uh, my backyard, or it's my terrace and my backyard. All right. And um, yeah, there's, there's still some snow uh, Yes. So your physical backyard is is Oslo. Your uh, what? Mental backyard is automation. And so I want to <laughs> kind of go through where you've been to date. You're not that uh, old of a guy, um, but you do have some experience under your belt. So um, the goal here is to talk about where you're coming from and where you're going to. So where you're coming from is as of, you know, podcast land knows no time, but uh, at the as the year begins or began, uh, your position was what? Um, my position is Nordic Automation Manager in uh, Phantom Nord Consumer Bank in, right. in so Norway or the Nordics. In the Nordics, uh, based yeah. in Norway, based in Oslo. So yeah. as far as uh, Automation Manager, you know, you, you this is a, a, a big bank. It's a highly regulated uh, institution, as is the industry itself, of course. Um, so, you know, to that end, what have you... What are you coming away with as far as your, your you know, main lessons learned from simply uh, doing what you do? Yeah, so um, there, there are those classicals uh, like uh, involve IT early, uh, those kind of things. Uh, but I found that communication is, is one of the, the kind of key things about getting traction uh, on your automation project. So uh, we spent quite, quite some time uh, communicating and uh, building awareness in, in the uh, in the business, uh, and that that has been very important for us to uh, not only get the traction we needed from from top management, but also build build our backlog because uh, people come up with new su- suggestions for for processes to automate uh, all day. So. Um, we, we get we get a lot of uh, inquiries about new processes to automate. 
So there you go. So communication up front, uh, that's going to go ahead and, and uh, get folks excited, build a backlog of work so that you know what to work on, what, you know, what's the best case uh, scenario, yeah. who, who's going to be most bought in. Uh, and you said tie in IT early on to make sure that you don't do a bunch of work that needs to go uh, back and be redone again once you bring in IT finally. So these are the big yeah. key lessons. When, when you say hey, we've got this log of work uh, that, that we know about because we communicated early. Give us some ideas of, you know, specific projects that you've worked on, um, you know, which have been highlighted by the fact that uh, folks have been bought in from, bought in and brought in from early on. Yeah, so I think the most exciting project we did, uh, um, that's actually a very small, small automation project, but it, it has been a very important one. Uh, we completed it in, in one day. Um, it was um, a, an ID from, from one of the guys from my previous team where I worked before I went into automation. Um, I've shown him uh, some stuff uh, about like how the software works and, and what, we, what are the possibilities. And he had an ID for, uh, for us to change uh, the distribution format on a lot of contracts that had some parameters that, that matched the kind of what we needed to do. Uh, so we started off by changing 30,000 contracts, just one, one simple thing, the distribution format from kind of snail mail to email. Uh, and to date, I think that has saved us uh, well above 3 million Norwegian kroners. Uh, and the total cost of ownership for that process was, I don't know, 10,000 Norwegian kroners. So that's yeah, around 30,000% return investment on that <laughs> process. Uh, Which took that, that, Yeah, yeah, from, from ID to production. Uh, we try to work very agile with our project. So. I have other examples where we have worked with on uh, on a project for three months, but like uh, it depends on on the project and, and yeah. Kind of so, but just to dive back in on that because mm -hmm. we do want other examples. Why not? If you've got them, we'll take. <laughs> um, but you know, you say one day, you say you know, the, you mentioned the amount of money that was saved. What about the amount of time? And, you know, additional resources, because if we maybe send them out of the department to be sent by snail mail, all yeah. sorts of time uh, has yeah. to be considered uh, with that. Do you have a gauge of how much actual time was saved? Um, so that, uh, the snail mail actually went from us uh, to an external provider. It's not kind of... Uh, Concrete. ...to go, go into that much detail, but uh, we didn't save any time doing this okay uh, because this wouldn't have been done manually uh, it wouldn't have been done no uh, but we we created a kind of ticket for our IT team to to kind of fix this in in, in the system and uh, I think this ticket is still not prioritized uh, so for them okay so now let let us dive in and then we'll go go into to other examples but but here you are you're, you're saying hey here's the ticket here's to please uh, solve this and change this and do that and and the whole bit knowing that you did pull uh, it in uh as early as possible um 
you're still dealing with their timelines. So where are they as far as, you know, you are just one person. And so let's just take it mm. from a personal standpoint. Where are they in terms of getting uh, not necessarily bought in, but ramped up as far as what ha- needs to happen from their perspective in terms of automation? Yeah, so I think uh, you can look at it from two sides. I think if we had all the time in the world, we would do full integrations, uh, classical IT. Um, and I think that's the, the kind of fantastic thing about RPA is that you can actually deliver something in a very short amount of time. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can, can handle 70% of what you want to do uh, and it still gives you a lot of value. Uh, so what we, uh, what we did was actually deliver this change request to our IT team. And uh, yeah, we did that the same day um, that we did the um, approvals for, for, for this process. So it, it's just about prioritization. And when we did the, the kind of cleaning job, then it will not give us that much and we can still do the cleaning job ad hoc uh, in the future. So I understand why it's not prioritized, but it's important that it doesn't become a kind of <laughs> innovation, we call it a sleeping pillow. Yeah, uh, but in in this case, I, I think it wouldn't provide that much value if we did a, a full integration because we have cleaned everything up using RPA. It's already um, done. Well, why, yeah. why go back in and fix it again, so to speak? Yeah. Give us another example. You said there's other examples for three months. Just give us kind of a, a basket of ideas of what you've been working on. Yeah. So one of the things we did was we took part in a large migration of a portfolio. Can't remember the exact number of contracts, but let's say 15,000. Give or take. Yeah, in a old old system. We did this project. I was not that, that big part of that project, uh, but it was the Norwegian RPA team that, that did it uh, and uh, just started building bit for bit of the process. And I think in, in the end, um, I managed to save one and a half hours per contract, which is a lot. If there's uh, 15,000 of them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think it's 1.67 hours, uh, but it's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, and that gives us uh, yeah, enormous uh, value because when we move the contract, we move it into a newer system, which is more automated. So, so it's, it saves time in that uh, regards as well. Yeah. So, so what you're doing is you're giving us examples of a tremendous amount of money uh, saved. Yeah. Examples <laughs> of a tremendous amount of time saved. But, but these are just kind of one-off processes. These are, you know, mm. in the grand scheme of things, you know, with, with all due respect to everybody involved, these are small projects. Yeah. And so uh, let's let the cat out of the bag. You're moving into management consulting, right? Yeah. Usually when we speak to people like you, uh, it's, I used to be, uh, you know, on the one side, then I went into management consulting for 10 or 15 years. And then now I'm back on the other side of things. So we'll, we'll speak to you in another 20 years when you come back to, to an institution like Santander. But in the meantime, you'll be able to bring your knowledge of, of being within a, a highly regulated institution, working within automation, understanding that you'll need to do things the way that, you know, the, the new, your new institution wants you to do them. How excited are you to be able to go into an institution and say, listen, I can, we can work on, you know, these little one-off things, but 
you know, if we take a look at your end to end and, you know, mm. really kind of think differently about your, your enterprise, the, the possibilities are endless. What are you yeah. thinking? What are you thinking even before you start? Yeah, so I think uh, it's a privilege to work within uh, RPA and, and AI because it kind of sells itself. You know, you need good people to, to work on it. It's quite e easy to, to kind of say, okay, I will deliver this and actually deliver what you're saying that you can deliver. I, I fully agree with you with the end-to-end the -end, uh, stuff. Uh, we have done some 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 projects uh, there in Santander as well, but uh, those are not that fun to, to talk about. Right. Uh, they're not that exciting. It, 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 they're, they're more the, the kind of grinding processes, saving mm -hmm. seven hours a day, five hours a day, and, and so on. Um, yeah, but, but the, the possibilities are, are huge. And um, I think uh, when the... the um, Technology moves even further. We can we can automate uh, a lot and free up people's time to to kind of yeah create more value. If, so, uh, if you're going into enterprise X, you know, just a, a made up institution, um, and you have uh, carte blanche, you can talk to anybody, you can uh, do anything, you, you know, you you can spend as much time as you want. Uh, it seems to me, not in your position, easy for me to say. That what I would want to do is I would want to go into the enterprise and I would say, okay, give me the CEO and the CIO and then, you know, the COO uh, and the CFO. Mm. Give me those four people and put them at a table and I'm going to come in and I'm going to make recommendations to those four people. Uh, my number one recommendation would be all of you business guys and you CIO get on the same page right now. What does the CIO need to do and what do these business folks need to do to make sure that you can acclimate and then institute a tremendous amount of change immediately? That's what I would do. How would you run that same meeting? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's the smart thing to do. And I, I think for them to, to kind of be able to work together on it, uh, they need to yeah, understand it. Uh, and that's the most important thing. Understand the possibilities and the limitations, of course. Um, and also, when when they are speak the same lang language on on kind of these lightweight IT things, uh, that's much easier. That 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 was one of our kind of main challenges that we didn't speak the same language as the IT guys. Uh, so so I think that that's that's a key factor for for successes. To, to kind of create a common language uh, about these uh, things um, and yeah, build understanding. So, so common language is a limitation. The fact that IT isn't pulled in immediately is a limitation. But yeah. let's say we're starting from before those two issues. You mentioned limitation. We, I think we're all on the same page as far as opportunities, mm. right? What would you say, though, besides those basic things, uh, what would you point out as limitations to, again, sitting at your table, this make-believe table that I've created is the CEO, the yeah. COO, and the CIO. What would you highlight as limitations to those executives? Yeah, so uh, if you're not doing it correctly, uh, you can create a lot of uh, maintenance work for yourself. Um, so that could be a limitation, but it's, if you do it right first time, then 
it shouldn't be a limitation. Um, but I, I think if you have a very uh, dynamic uh, kind of software park where where things change uh, a lot, then that can also uh, slow down your your uh, RPA initiative. So you should have good control of your processes and uh, systems, uh, the the user interfaces. Uh, if you know that, are they changing or they're not changing? Uh, are they changing every other week or every three months? Those kind of things will play a part in, in kind of what you choose to automate and yeah, how you should go, go about it. Not um, only but, optimizing process, but optimizing the way that the process is changed, making sure that you're on top of yeah. it. You bring up uh, software uh, providers. What would, again, you're sitting at that board table or, well, the big table. It's not the board, uh, but we're going to make recommendations up to the board. What do we want to hear from as far as the software provider? In other words, what do we want them to participate in? What do we not want them not to participate in? What do we want to keep to ourselves? What do we want to be managing um, versus what we want to hand over, if you will, to the software provider? Uh, and you're thinking about the RPA software providers now. Indeed, and, and hopefully yeah. cognitive solutions, but yes. Yeah, so so I think it, they have a lot of experience doing this. So, And they're, uh, from my experience, very uh, keen to, to help, and they're, they're happy to help. We want to, to run everything in-house, at least uh, where I'm coming from. It's, it's important for us to, to kind of have full control over the code and, and everything. Uh, I know for, for others, it could make sense to, to do it as a service. And I don't think that is that relevant for the banking industry. Uh, but for other sectors, of course, I think that can also be a possibility. We, we have uh, worked a lot with uh, our software provider in regards to security and, and kind of making sure that we have bank rate security on our uh, RPA implementation. Um, so uh, they've, they've helped us uh, a lot and kind of showed us the way because when we started this, uh, we knew nothing about about it. <laughs> so, so, so on yeah. the spectrum of possibility, you know, uh, you can find yourself pretty much anywhere depending on what your enterprise is and what your enterprise needs. Having said yeah. that, are there red flags? Uh, and if so, what are they as far as working with a solution provider? You know, in other words, who owns the data? How do we hack away at the, the, the dark data that we have, you know, uh, et cetera? Yeah. Um, so data is always uh, challenging. And uh, I would like to have full control over my data and not share it because with, with GDPR and, and uh, yeah, all the regulations that we are put under, it's important to know what you share and share as little as possible uh, if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I would recommend you to keep all the customer data in-house or like in your private data center mm-hmm. uh, and not, not share, share that kind of information with the software provider. But uh, you can share kind of anonymized stuff that they can help you uh, help you with. So those kind of Things can can work. Um, uh, I did. We we did some uh, a proof of concept with um, Automation Anywhere's IQ bot, and uh, there I created a kind of mock contract for myself 
which we kind of tried to, to work on instead of using a customer data or, or a, a actual contract. So uh, those kind of things can be tweaked. Understood. But, but it is, you know, keep, keep ownership uh, of that data. If it goes outside, make sure that it's anonymized. These are basic things. Yeah. yeah. The conversations that you will, that you do have with the software providers. And, you know, there's a little bit of a back and forth of, of, you know, what is the best case scenario? Um, mm. One more time, we're sitting at that table. Those four executives are sitting across from you. you listen, we need to know how much is this going to cost and how much time is this going to take? When are we going to be finished? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I would just say that welcome to, to, to the journey. Uh, you're never kind of finished with your RPA program. Exactly. Uh, I think it, it will just keep evolving. So I see RPA a couple of years, years from now will be more like a light switch. You turn it on, it just works. This is there. You have some maintenance guys. You have some uh, developers that can kind of take it next step. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, it will evolve uh, a lot from, from here. Um, but going from kind of zero to, to production, I think it's, it's good to say that, yeah, four to eight weeks uh, would be enough or can be enough, but it, it depends. It's, it's so hard to, to kind of uh, give a exact uh, answer to it. Well, you, you, how much you want sound, to do. And, by the way, you already sound like you're on the solution side. So, so that's fantastic. <laughs> well done. But, you know, yes, four to six weeks as far as, you know, hard work getting done. But in terms of that initial communication, in terms of that change management, in terms of that culture type stuff, in terms of the, the communication that you t- talked about earlier, yeah. how much time should we be giving? Yeah, okay, fine. Four to six weeks as far as tech is concerned. Mm. If it's just on the business side and doesn't include IT to begin with, by the way. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, are we talking about, hey, just, you know, kind of let's go. Let's look at this as a six-month thing. Look at this as a nine-month thing as an on-ramp type deal. What, what, would you, what is your number there? I, 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 would, I would say kind of not, not – I don't want to say an a, a exact kind of uh, four months, six months, nine months. Sure. Uh, right. But I, I would say just start running with it and, and kind of get something working yeah. and then communicate as much as possible and kind of keep it very transparent. Because uh, like from, from what we, we did in, in Salander, we didn't have a, a kind of exact, this is the way we should communicate it. That, that came along the way. We, we found out, okay, we should communicate something. Uh, this is the way we want to communicate it and, and so on. And uh, I think the most important thing is just show people uh, that it's working on the systems that they're working in, uh, show results quickly. So, yeah, <laughs> it's just about getting started and, and running fast. And, and then you can think about, start thinking about communication, setting up a foundation for scaling and, and so on. So quick, early, small wins, just to make sure that yeah. we know that this thing is, is working, completely understood. I would say, though, in, in, when you say four to six weeks and then you and I know what we're talking about is small wins, yeah. it, it, it get, that number gets misconstrued. And so I feel like the communication around what folks should be considering as far as timelines are concerned, we need to change that dialogue so that we are just more on the same page. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's four to six weeks, four to eight weeks. That's a proof of concept, proof of value 
pilot type of thing. But getting it started, it takes, I would say, three months to, to train a new developer. So that, that, that's, that's kind of, yeah, one. Uh, and you probably want some. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends how, how big your, your, uh, your business is. But sure. uh, I think, I think getting up to, to kind of a certain level of like you have your governance in place, you have your operating model, you have every, everything in place that can take up to, up to a year. I think it, it depends, uh, how much, how much the top management wants it to happen. Uh, yep. I think. But that, uh, and if you say four to six weeks and a year in the same sentence, then I'm starting to really understand <laughs> what we're yeah. actually talking about. Same yeah. question on, on ROI. How much is this going to cost me? You know, is my uh, question, how would you answer that in a way that, uh, you know, uh, actually gets it started? Yeah, I think it will cost you more to not get started. And like now, I think, more businesses are getting started than than the ones that aren't. Right. Um, so the project should pay for itself in terms of savings. Uh, if you don't have enough uh, potential uh, for automation, um, that yeah, if if kind of the potential does not kind of uh, surpass the the kind of cost of doing it, yep. then it doesn't matter. Then just drop it. Uh, but it always does. I, so that's um, all well and good. You say always. That's all well and good, you know, on the on the way in. But you are more likely to be sitting with those four executives based on the fact that we tried RPA, quotation marks, and it mm. hasn't worked for us. So we're losing money. Yeah. Everybody's angry at each other. And, you know, sure, you know, we saved a few million one week, you know, a year and a half ago. That was great. Mm. But it's been a nightmare ever since. Now what are we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, then then <laughs> should reconsider the things you have been doing because uh, if you do it the correct way, um, there is no the correct way. But it depends on it depends on uh, kind of the company and and yeah everything <laughs> around it. But I think you you should be able to in every enterprise uh, to get a positive return on investment and. Yeah, from from what I've seen, starting up in Norway, starting up in Sweden, starting up in Denmark, and and in in Finland now recently, we are getting uh, very high ROIs in all countries. Uh, so the cost side of it and the ROI side, that isn't really a, a problem. It and shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. No, it it shouldn't be. Uh, and and I understand why people have. Um, issues with it, uh, but I'm more, I more—I like more to talk about ROI than the number of bots you you should have. That's another uh, discussion, uh, but it, because that that doesn't make any sense to to kind of talk about. I have five thousand bots doing the exact same things, giving us no value. <laughs> it, like, if you're, yeah. you know, but t- taking your your point, if you are talking about the number of bots, or someone is talking about the number of bots uh, with you. You are in the wrong conversation. Yeah, uh, or not necessarily, but but you are. Uh, well, with those four executives sitting at the table, yeah. that's yeah. the wrong. That's the wrong conversation. Yeah, definitely. But front think, lines, folks. Sure, number of bots. Okay, fine. But if you're all the way up here saying, "Oh, well, we've implemented this many bots," doesn't even matter. Yeah. No, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I just don't want to step on anyone anyone's toes. Oh, right. I know so there's a lot of there, there, <laughs> there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk about, talk about number of bots in in the RPA community and indeed. Uh, so I'll I'll take the blame it, for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, you are yeah. uh, literally outside in Oslo, and so I yeah. know that we don't have uh, too much time. So I'm going to ask you the three <laughs> final questions. Um, I'll tell you what they are. I'll ask you them in order, but I definitely want to check in with you, you know, as, as you go here on your journey. Uh, but here are those yes, final questions. What's most surprised you at work? What's most surprised you at life? And on the soundtrack of your life, one track, one song that's got to be on there. That's always the last questions. First things first, what has most surprised you at work here in automation? Mm, I think the kind of the community is, uh, or it, it's, it's not a community per se, but it, I think it is. I'm, I'm, LinkedIn, you see many of the same people talking about uh, automation, sharing their stories, and people sharing a lot. Yeah, people are willing to share, and I think it, that provides value for not only us but also them in, in the long run. So no, think, absolutely. Uh, Corporate enterprise uh, practitioners, there is a group of those people, and no one else understands what those people are dealing with. Yeah. As far as community is concerned, what's most surprising yeah. in life? In life, that's, that's a hard question. Yeah, it it, it, it always works out. Oh well, I'm glad <laughs> to hear you, that. You, you, you think uh, that that's kind of from someone? I'm I'm only 28, but uh, so far it's always worked out. And, and Even though here's here's how I'll read that. <laughs> Because you're, you're 28, I'm 43. So I'll just kind of uh, take you, what your words are from my <laughs> perspective. What you're saying is, uh, don't panic. When chaos yeah. uh, is upon you, just kind of look for uh, the way out and, you know, steadily, you know, work towards that uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a long answer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, soundtrack time on the soundtrack of your life. One track, one song that's got to be on there. So uh, I've been hearing a lot of uh, Travis Scott lately. Lately, uh, so it would be Sicko Mode. I really like that song. Travis Scott. Travis Scott. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to look him <laughs> up. Very much appreciate your time. Uh, Anar, and I can't wait to, as I said, check in with you, uh, you know, on your journey, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks for uh, for having me on there. And there you have Einar Michelson. Very much appreciate his time. Very much appreciate your time. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.